Uh, hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Beer Garden on the Fontline Social Podcast. Here with James and Rob, as usual. How you doing, Jim? Hello, how are you? You're right. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, what have you been up to? Um, not a lot as ever. I feel like um, every time I ask this question, it's going to get progressively yeah. like, why the fuck do you keep asking? <laughs> you horrible looks every time. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to tell you that I'm sat watching Netflix all day. I've been for walks. I've done that. Um, we've obviously we've had some news about potential dates and whatever else. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, we won't probably wax too lyrical about those. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I did an interview with the lead guitarist of Fred Zeppelin yesterday, which is illuminating and entertaining. It's kind of nice to to hear what it's like for sort of a working musician more than you know that it's still in the band, but obviously getting booked on that. If people couldn't figure, sorry, if people couldn't figure out the name, that is a that is a Led Zeppelin cover band, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I should have explained that. Um, but it was because obviously most of the artists that I've spoken to over lockdown, the first sort of question that I try and get out of the way is, "How's your lockdown been?" Um, and the response is largely, "Well, I've had loads of time to write," and obviously they they don't really need to do that because you can't see they're not coming up with their own material so like what else have they been doing so that was a nice little interesting it's just like the real led zeppelin then didn't they because they didn't come up with their own material either so oh 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 we're gonna do that <laughs> right right so i called them peter Falls last week and now you call them the plagiarist this week that's fine fine Oh, no, man. I, I just, yeah, but, um, but yeah, you're right. You're right, man. I mean, short of like reimagining some of the songs. Yeah. Well, I guess they could practice. Which is actually, which is actually kind of, that is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give too much away before the interview comes out. Oh, of course. But they did, there was talk of how much of kind of their own spin they kind of put on things and their own little nuances that they put into the material. But that no, is very good. Very good. Like, really nice guy to talk to as well. Nice, man. Sounds good. Look forward to that. Cause I, I do like Led Zepp. I was just, uh, just playing around. How about you, Rob, man? What's been going on? Do you know what, man? I've been all right. Yeah, you know, walking, like heavy, heavy walking, been absolutely knackering my dog out, to be honest. I think he's battered. He's quite old, actually, man. Yeah, he's, he probably doesn't go as far as he used to. Yeah, I know. I think in his mind, he, he's like, I don't know. Do you know, when, like, there's like a 70 year old bloke and he's like, I'm 21. <laughs> I think the dog kind of feels like that, really. And then we get about, we do, we say if we walk for like two hours, he's like, I just want to leave. Like, I think he wants to call a cab, but I'm like, we're walking all the way back. Yeah, there was some good news announced this week for everybody overseas or whatever. Um, yeah, the UK government said that, like, the vaccine's pumping at a good rate. So they, they have promised no more lockdown by June the 21st. But obviously, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, man, hopefully we'll be linking up for some beers in real life soon in the actual beer garden. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's like a roadmap that's been published, like a, you know, kind of overall kind of plan about how things are going to proceed. Yeah. But like, you know, whatever the best laid plans and all that. Um, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. But I'm looking forward to to, to it being over, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, doing some real, real beer garden chat, which, you know, is actually, um, yeah, a lot worse than this because uh, it's a lot more rambly. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know, yeah, we've actually learned to be so like considerate of like let, I don't know, me especially, I don't know, just like let someone say their point. <laughs> we have stopped shouting over each other as badly as we used to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. It's hard with the because I'm sure there's a slight delay when you're doing a phone call over the internet as well. So like yeah. it's like the, the non-vocal cues that you have in a normal conversation, you kind of don't get because I'm literally I'm looking at you now, Theo, mm. and then obviously then it'll switch to Rob because I don't really I'll just keep it on the rotation thing. I don't know how this works. But yeah, it's very different. So today's topic that I 
kind of thought of. It's kind of very broad. I mean, uh, I don't know, like obviously, and this is going to be very subjective and there's a lot to go into, but like hopefully like we'll unpack it as it goes and there'll be some kind of maybe some more interesting questions that kind of shoot off from the side of this. But today's general idea was we were going to be discussing uh, if you think, you know, uh, either objectively or subjectively, if there was uh, such a thing as the golden age of music, now, I know a lot of people will say that a certain decade or whatever is going to be their favourite. And, you know, people have these biases linked to the past where they think, oh, I preferred music in the 70s and the 80s, whatever. Was was there this supposed golden age of music? What do you think, Jim? I know you're a big fan. And as are we all, we're all fans of music from the past. This is such a heavy question. Man. It is, man. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's there's lots of little kind of things to get into. But yeah. yeah. Like, what are your initial thoughts, Jim? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the biggest cop out answer yet ever gonna hear. There is, but there's loads of them. I think the big I think the big thing is for me, this is where I'm gonna it does sort of piece together into some semblance of a theory. So get get yourselves comfortable. But no, um effectively I think there is so I, I was trying to think to myself, I was like, well, right, what if I had to pick one, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right, say Rob's got a gun to my head and he's like, Bro, you've got to tell me when your golden age of music is, right? And I'd be like, right, well, I could I could go with Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, all that sort of stuff. Then it could segue into, well, maybe am I thinking like Johnny Cash and Ray Charles and like Pintop Perkins and all that kind of era. And I was like, no, well, maybe if I push it a little bit further and then we go into like like the Britpop era in the 60s and then it's like, then it comes to the end of the 60s and you get to what in truth is probably going to be my real answer if you've got a gun to my head is going to be like Sabbath and Zeppelin and you know, Bowie and all that sort of stuff. Long it just stuff, doesn't yeah. stop. Like, if you look at it, if you if you love a bunch of different genres of music, then every era is a golden age. Like, you've got something to go at. Like, I get it that you can be, if you've got a very, very narrow focus in terms of what you like in music, then you're going to have a specific golden age and you're going to love the bones of that kind of music and that's where you're going to anchor yourself and that's absolutely fine i don't think you're going to i don't think you necessarily lose anything by not liking other like genres or anything else but you know if you if you go back to kind of i don't know like the the death row records era you know like the massive east coast west coast rivalry where you've got like biggie tupac dre everything all that sort of stuff like that's a major i love that era as well i mean okay i'm i'm rapidly approaching 40 the more recent times escape me a little bit more than perhaps the pastors so i'm more likely to lean to you know probably i don't know like 2005 is probably as high or as recent as i'm going to go but then when i say that and then i'm like well hang on a minute what were we talking about like literally the other day i love local honey by brian fallon like that was like me and rob were saying that was probably my favorite album from last year so I'm talking out my ass. Of course, I like stuff that's coming out now. So I, I think there's always some. There's always going to be an era that you can find it, and maybe the bit that you don't pick out as your golden age, you just haven't explored it yet. So maybe, maybe that for me is it. So maybe I go and listen to Brian Fallon, and I discover backwards. Let's say, let's say, for example, I'm discovering it backwards, and I go, oh, but hang on a minute, look at oh whoa, what's the Gaslight Anthem? Oh, look at this. And then you start to listen to other bands in and around that. And then there you go. You've got another golden age for yourself. They're everywhere, man. They're literally everywhere. Yeah, yeah, like definitely, man. That's like definitely some good points. What about you, Rob, man? Like, do you have any oh, kind of thoughts on the, on the subject? Yeah, I do, man. I do have some thoughts going on. Um, 
So yeah, I think every genre has a golden age within itself. But I would I would say I don't know if because for me for me my like golden age of like listening and new stuff was like. 2010 to like 2012 2014 when like pop punk was making a big revival and hardcore was coming up again that that was a very exciting time for me for new stuff but obviously that comes off the back of a lot of stuff that happened like two decades before so i would say it depends on the genre you're really looking at to be honest but i'd say the 70s to be honest um i'd say that was the most creative time and people started really pushing like art not not as in just like making like pop music and using it for like you know musical like performance it was actually like people were actually trying to do something with like a music and a message i would say in that moment in time like like james was saying all this like the sabbath zeppelin stuff um like, like early genesis as well like selling england by the pound is like a, a game changer i think in musical history yeah all the stuff pink floyd were doing springsteen with like his first record so much was happening um they yeah, like yes putting out closer to the edge and everything yeah, I think I think the seventies, to be honest, but because I think the eighties, it goes into that. I think the eighties was just like a fucking weird time. I think everyone just sort of lost it a little bit. I don't know, man. From everyone's like the plates in their kitchen to what they were listening to, everything was just a bit weird. So I'd say the seven. Oh, yeah, I've got to say the seventies. I would say because I think that planted a seed for like so many offshoots, man. Like this whole this whole like you know injection of everything that everything came off. To be honest, but um. But also the 90s, I would say, is when stuff really kind of formed a, you know, well-rounded idea of stuff, kind of like like rap and hip-hop, especially like indie music was like, you know, prime then as well. Yeah, man, fucking hell. Such, what a question. What a but do you question. think we need that perspective, like on, like, it needs to, it needs time to for the dust to settle, so to speak. Like, we can't really, like, we can't compare to the 70s to the 2010s because not enough time has passed. Do you think like that? Uh, it, 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 I don't know, man. Like you can and you can't because like you can compare because obviously it's like stuff maybe not would have because it's like what happened then has to come from then. Like like the Gaslight Anthem. That's that's actually a pretty sick example because like they're obviously huge. That to me that's like a Springsteen and No Effects like combination. Yeah. To be honest, it's like yeah. it's like it's like a punk vibe, but it has that like real like American soul. Not soul, but you know what I mean? That Americana like, vibe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that like picket fence kind of vibe going on. Like a hot dog at the pier, like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, but without those two bands taking their ideas, Gaslight Anthem wouldn't have done anything. And it's like, I think stuff has to come from somewhere, but it obviously it takes people to develop ideas from what they've heard. But um, I think a golden age was the 70s man like so even if you look at like, like we want to call it like heavy stuff like yeah you got sabbath and the sex pistols doing stuff and that was like you know henry Rollins said he wanted he wanted to start a band that sounded like black sabbath and the sex pistols combined you know and it's um i think i think that was where the true root man the first stare was in, implanted but um but again it's like do people nowadays is music as accessible then are people going to give it the time are people going to really go back and listen to a Floyd record? Maybe, but are they going to check out like a Yes album or like early days of stuff? I don't know. I don't know, but maybe maybe the roots of stuff might be overlooked and like a golden generation might be viewed differently from future generations. But for me as a listener, I'd say the 70s, but then again, I, it's, probably the, it's probably a decade that I maybe don't give a massive amount of attention to now but i have in the past i don't know i don't know if that actually reflects my list the time spent with headphones in my ears i mean if we were to say that 70s thing you know that like a lot of good music was made then yes we could agree but we we forget that like there was probably a lot of like kind of 
terrible frothy nonsense that was made in the 70s as well right like i think we can all agree on that man if you go back to like top of the pops too and you look at the top 40 for whatever year it's like you know prince at number one then the other 38 tracks are like completely forgettable right Mm -hmm. so so we do remember the good stuff we have to remember that bias um so if we take it in in that lens of like what's popular like mm. at the time, for example. So like yeah, not, not what became popular after the fact. If we take like the top 40 from like any year in the 1980s and then like the top mm. 40 from like, you know, 2019, like, I mean, obviously I know the style is different, but like, is there just as, I think there's as much crap in either decade as there, as there that's is. That's so true because it's like, you yeah. talk about like uh, an early Genesis record, but it's like, that's like so innovative and so creative now, but it's like at the time, did people give that much of a shit? Yeah, and I think if you look through that top forty lens, you'll find just as much. I mean, you know, feel free to disagree, but I feel like yeah, there's just as much garbage was being made then as is being made now. I They're agree with you, stuff. man. I agree. Yeah. No, no, I agree. But it's like, oh, that that's actually a good shout, man. Because maybe then you're gonna say the nineties because and like early two thousands because in the night that's when guitar stuff was popular. Like guitar music was popular, I would say. That is your problem, though. I mean, there is there is a pretty well written article on the Footline Social website um, about the seventies, um, and uh, I can't, can't think who wrote that one. Um, but on the twenty, <laughs> but on the twentieth of December, nineteen sixty nine, right, a song got to number one. So it was not only the last number one of the sixties; it was the first number one of the seventies. So that's quite a like place of pride you would have said like yeah, a really yeah, influential yeah. decade going into the decade that we're all kind of agreeing is a really good decade for a lot of yeah. music it was two little boys by um by rob harris yeah of course man that, that's what i'm saying man like this there is and, and rob i hate to say but like, like you just bought up the 90s like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make myself any friends here but that was the that was the beginning of um the spice girls all saints boys owned and all that um, stuff. Yeah, that was like the boy band fucking... Yeah, and, band. and then obviously you had the American... You know, like you've got the Backstreet Boys and all that sort of stuff. Now, I know that there are certain people um, that, that we've all, that we all used to work with who will hate me for decrying boy bands. Um, sorry, Nick. But yeah, um, it, it, is, it is a thing where whatever you look at, whatever the, there is, there's always the other side of the coin. Yeah, there is. And the other side of the coin is like we were saying about when we were talking about your interview the other day, where a lot of what seems to get produced now is kind of generic, tick the numbers, you know, tick the boxes, paint by numbers, whatever yeah. the, you know you want to call it. That's always, but that's always been there. That's been there from like the forties all the way through. It's that generic bullshit that's going to sell has always been there. So I think with as much as. Like if you pick a decade or you pick an era or you pick a genre, I will guarantee I will find you shit. I will find you shit. And not only will I find you shit, I will find you shit that's sold in huge fucking quantities. Right? Because that's just the music industry. And unfortunately, as much as guys like us um wanna kind of be I'm not gonna say that we are necessarily, but at times, you know, be a bit hipsterish or be a bit kind of not condescending, but a bit more discerning when we are appreciating what's gone on and we try and we don't just enjoy it for its sake. We kind of try and look at trends or try and find meaning behind what we're looking at because we, that gives us something to write about. Okay, I'm not saying that we're in any way intellectually superior and have a greater right to do that. Everybody can do that. And we just happen to do that because we enjoy writing about it and stuff. But whatever you find, you got to worry that, and this is one of the arguments that people are going to throw at you, is that, the further back you look, the more the rose-tinted 
glasses get put on. When I did the interview with Rihanna Keane, I always asked the people, um, what's your favourite era of music? I didn't ask um, Elliot yesterday because we were talk we'd already talked to death about how much he'd been inspired by the Beatles and Zeppelin. So it was fairly obvious. I didn't need to pigeonhole him or anything like that. But she said that her favourite decade was like her favourite era of music was literally right now, which is the first time I've heard that. And I'm kind of, that was a refreshing response. I mean, I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but obviously it's entirely subjective. So from my point of view, I wouldn't have said that is the case. What I love about the modern era is that I can access every last bit of music. Anything, yeah. Anything. anything. And like we were saying with the Spotify and the disposability and all that guff, I can literally, if I want to listen to Johnny Cash and then I want to listen to Slayer and then I want to listen to Louis Armstrong and then I want to, you know what I mean? And then I want to listen to Brian Fallon. I can take 20 seconds to sort that out. I don't have to even get up off the sofa. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the brilliance. I mean, if if you sat there in you know, 1968, you've just walked out of the first Led Zeppelin gig and you pull out a, a, a phone and you show the guy Spotify. He'd probably like, you know, he'd probably be taped, like, tied to a stake and burnt. Like, it's literal magic in your hands. So I'm going to sound like a Luddite old man for a second, but it's literal magic in your hands. No, it is, man. Um, We're very spoiled. I agree. We, we Like, it's a great privilege to be able to access all this stuff, man. Yeah. Well, I think that's where you kind of... De- that's why you need these labels to kind of lead people to music that they're not going to hear, necessarily. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Like, I tried to phrase this when I, when I do interviews, and I'm like, I don't know whether I... asked. <sighs> still don't think I've phrased the question properly, but the only problem is, is that you go from labels that are kind of like, Oh, it's the golden era. And there's this, that, and the other, and this is a great album. And that's a great album. And it goes from being like a recommendation or I really love this. Check this out. If you get, you know, whatever. And it goes to, no, 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 this is like Canon. This is literally, this is what you have to listen to. And it's like, it's, it's, there's always that guy in the pub. There's always that guy at a gig who, if they're, if you're talking about a band or you're talking about this, that, and the other, and they're like, Oh, have you heard this? And it's like, no, no, no. Oh, well, you're not a real fan. Then are you? And it's like, first of all, go fuck yourself. Secondly, that shouldn't be what it's about. Like music shouldn't be, well, if you don't like Ray Charles, then you're a heathen. I mean, personally, that is correct. I think that is correct. If you don't like Ray Charles, then there's something deeply wrong with you and I feel sorry for you. But who the hell cares? If your favourite thing ever to listen to is Endubs, all power to you, man. You love some music. I mean, don't talk to me. Um, don't come anywhere near me. But that's, you know, that's what it is. Like, But I think that's that's the danger that you get into. You stray from this territory of like, oh, isn't it wonderful? Like, you like this and I like this and it's great because it's music. And you go into this kind of horrible sort of brinksmanship of like well i know what this band is and i know what that album is and all this sort of stuff yeah that's bad that is yeah it's like i i i, I am like so guilty of that like, <laughs> yeah but i don't know you can't you can't go you can't step out of that field once you stepped foot on it man um, well, i know that you guys will listen to artists and albums from certain genres that i know the genre and if you played it me like you know we're in the kitchen say working yeah. like we're in the kitchen and you put on the playlist okay prime example turnover never heard it absolutely love those two albums right yeah. love love the arts out of those two albums that you play all the time in the kitchen had i heard them before that no if you 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 guys have been talking about it like the week before i would have been like oh i feel like i should probably have listened to this 
maybe I feel a bit down on myself that I haven't heard of who they are or I haven't listened to it. But I don't worry about that too much, mainly because obviously we're mates and who the fuck cares. But once we've played it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm almost mad at you for not rem- not recommending it to me even earlier. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That's, that's where we should be. That's the level of enjoyment that it should be about. It shouldn't be about I'm better than you because I listen to this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like the, the era of like gatekeeping should be like gone. Yes, gatekeeping, that's the you know, that's term, yes. yeah. That 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 should disappear, man, and people should like take advantage of like the sharing platforms that we have and yeah, just promote stuff if they're like, Oh, this album's good and you can send it over text, man, and everything. Yeah, and exactly. It's exactly. Like, that's the message that be that should be promoted, the open the open mindedness towards it now. Well plus I'll never forget and I won't I won't like name them, but like you and me were playing, I want to say, I don't know, like Joy Division or the Smiths during a shift. Yeah. And one of the brand new, like fresh-faced, 17-year-old members of staff walks into the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, And he's yeah. like, oh, my God, who's playing this? And they loved it, and they knew it. And it was like, there's an instant connection that would not have been there without that. And I know we've strayed way off the idea of the golden era. Yeah, but it's like the – now now it's like the accessibility and sharing aspect is so prominent and so available. Like you can play anything at work on the bus and just share it around. And it's like – and now now it's exciting because now might be the golden age for a certain aspect in terms of consumerism and enjoyment because it's like with Spotify, you can, li- you can have – 10 songs from 10 records of like so many different years of the, uh, just to, in like 10 hits of your thumb and like before now music is um, yeah it's crowded but it's it's way more accepting man it's like an open door policy which before didn't really happen and it was like all these maybe secret clubs and stuff but now it's yeah now to get a hit of it and you know share and get involved it's much easier which I think music has become a much more you know rounded thing worldwide which is really good for the consumer, man, maybe it is. Maybe this is the golden age of music. Not necessarily, you know, if you take creation out of it, man, just just to listen and, like, experience and... Um, I think so. Yeah, like, maybe, like, this... I would say this is, like, a golden age of, like, you know, like, accessibility for sure, man, like, definitely. Um, so it, it's you can change the definition of the question, man. Like, it's 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 quite broad, yeah. so, yeah, that is yeah, true. Look, look at what you get for a tenner a month on Spotify. You get everything. Yeah, it's not physical copy and it's not you don't own it, but it's like, look at what you get compared to when you were buying physical music before, like a day, even a decade ago compared to what it is now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man, definitely. Um, it's funny that you said, like, or something James said about, like, you know, if, like, um, it's quite, it's obviously subjective, you know, like, if you love N-dubs and that's, like, your favourite kind of music, you know, that's fine. Um, but, like, as, yeah. you know, we, we don't consume music in a vacuum, right? So it's always, like, linked to where we were at the time, like, what we were doing, like, perhaps a time in our lives. And that's why we have such like a strong emotional connection to it. So um, like the music doesn't even have to be like quote unquote, like good or like well-made or, you know, like uh, just like even real man. Yeah. It's like, because you tie it to this memory that like is real to you and like feels good to you, man. So um, yeah, I can definitely see how that's the case. Like that's why everyone's tastes like vary so differently. Um, but you know, so I, I guess in a broader sense, do you think like what we perceive to be good or like, you know, decent music is that, like purely tied to our nostalgia or like is there something else at work there man that makes us think this is good or bad like if if a record can make you flick through a little picture book in your head of of the highlight reel yeah of course man that's going to trigger some good times in your mind but um like peripheral vision i think of like you guys in the kitchen i was like yeah that was sick i was having fun man uh 
But yes, I know, man, because that's maybe why people don't I've struggled to change like in the biggest scale. Do you know what I mean? Because they're like, that was my golden age and that was when I connected with it. And that's now like, you know, I'm this age in my head forever. You know, there might be in the Peter Pan Club in that sense. You know, so yeah, I think I think nostalgia and association with a period in someone's life is a massive thing with it. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah, man. So it, it's impossible, really, if we say that. Like, how can you ever be objective about this kind of thing? Like, I think it's really difficult, right? What do you What do you think, Jim? Well, like, I think because I was I was just thinking about that, and that it's a it's a weird scenario in that, you know, I'm going to use a sport analogy, so you know, stone me afterwards. But you know, when people say like, pick 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 your favorite like eleven or whatever. Um, so you have to pick your favourite footballers and what have you. But then they say, right, okay, so we're going to do um, pick the 11, your favourite 11 of the players that you saw play. Just kind of looking at it. And so if I had to focus on just the music that I grew up with, like so that effectively I've got positive or you know negative memories associated with that music that's then going to, like you say, it's going to transport you to a particular place in time or whatever. I mean, when I was a kid, it was it was Queen. I listened to Queen a lot. When I was a kid, but it again, it was it's a large proportion of. We've kind of mentioned this before, but a large proportion of it is what you sort of what musical taste you inherit from your parents. Yeah. So if you look at it in the in the, the delivery system, so like when I was a kid, there was no sort of um, MTV or you know televised music. There was Top of the Pops. Okay, that was it pretty much. Um, and then the other sort of inputs were whatever you folks listen to so like when you're in the car as a kid or whatever or they got playing in the house or the radio obviously then as you get older you get sort of a greater chance to go off and explore that on your own so like you get your own radio so you can listen to whatever there is and all that sort of stuff but i i think i'm a lot fonder of the music that i went off and discovered when i got a bit older yeah so isn't necessarily tied into anybody else like i mean there are certain things and there's certain sectors of music and the certain bits that like I'm always going to associate with certain people and places. But then the, I think the stuff that I love the most is definitely just mine. Like it's not necessarily listened to with anybody else. It's not been acquired through a relationship with anybody else. You know, you know I, I, I'm probably not explaining this very well, but like my love for Led Zeppelin has got no sort of ties to anything else really it's it, there's there's no like connected memories to any other people any other places particularly it's kind of just me picking them up like i can remember certain points where i would play it to death so like there was a particular spell where i worked in a job that i really really didn't like and i used to play physical graffiti all the time so there's a particular song uh 10 years gone um that i associate with driving to that to that job and it was listening to that song stopped me effectively turning around and going fucking back home or whatever or just just keep on driving and just going like ending up in fucking derby or whatever um but other than that it's largely down to me and i don't know whether sometimes you know like when you get that sensation where like you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink so people will continually suggest something to you to the point where you're like no i fucking just fuck off i don't like it like but then eventually at some point later on like maybe six months later you hear a track or you hear this or you think, oh, I quite like that, actually. Yeah, go on, I'll put it on. You have to sort of discover it under your own steam, at your own pace or whatever. Um, I think that's a, that's a that can be as intrinsically valuable as something that's so memory-laden that it's kind of a, 
a whole experience that you've got there rather than just the music. Yeah, it's kind of hard to separate um, from that, though, because I'm pretty sure like every, all music that I've listened to is like someone's told me to listen to it at some point. Or like, you know, maybe I'll like discover something on the radio. You know what? Actually, the Rival Sons, I heard them all by myself on the radio. No one ever told me about them. And then I went away and like discovered the rest of their catalogue. So yeah, that's, I will take credit for that. Of me, you, like, you, personally. You told, I remember you told me because they... Um, but I you'd think, also heard them, right? On correct. Yeah, well, When the Sun Comes was the single that I'd yeah, heard. Yeah, that's it, man. Same, same. And I didn't like it particularly. It was, I remembered it, so it wasn't that innocuous, but... It just felt really weak. And then you were like, no, 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 mate, listen, honestly, I've listened to their albums. They're really, really good. And I was like, no, And you know what it's like? It takes a couple of three days or whatever for that to, for you to remember those recommendations at the right time. Yeah. But then when I listened to the albums, I was like, whoa. I was like, if they're capable of this, what the hell was that on the radio? I was like, why are they putting that on the radio? <laughs> well, like, we've talked about this before, haven't we? The whole like A&R world, like the, ra- the radio puts out the song that it's the most... Like yeah, well, it, like, it was it was the most sort of middle of the road, but then right. also when you could go and see them for a tenner because that was how much it cost that first gig yeah. in Digworth, ten pounds, and I was like, and and you know it is one of those things, and I think that's something that I was going to kind of move on to um, was that you kind of twofold, I suppose. First question that I wanted to ask you guys because you know I'm gonna gonna be a rogue and steal the question maker hat for a minute go um, ahead man go ahead now when, <laughs> so either uh, i always make this a really difficult and clunky way to phrase it but what year would you have wanted to turn 18 that's the proper way to ask the question oh my god you know what? i have an answer man. i have a fucking answer like, I, I know exactly when mine is i know exactly when i would have wanted to return mine, mine, mine would have been um so I always, I always thought when I was big, when I was, when I was about eighteen, I got into like Brit pop, like mad, like like um, I was heavy on like the Roses, the Happen the Mondays, um, and yeah, like early Oasis and the. I know the Smiths was eighties, but I was big on the Roses and Mondays vibe and what was happening. I was like, imagine being this age then, when the world was like tiny as fuck in your head, and these records were just like summarising and defining your whole like persona of how you presented yourself to the world and everything. So that I'd say that is another time. Uh, yeah. hundred percent man in England. That'd have been, that'd have been fucking sick being a part of that movement and that whole, like, you know, wearing a polo Adidas trainers vibe bucket hat. I'd have loved that. Like, yeah, no idea. I'd say early nineties, but yeah, yeah, definitely man. hundred percent being that we're English hundred percent. Yeah. I would, I would go with that. Like, and just being a, being like part of that guitar movement when, when the British indie scene was like, at its peak, I'd, yeah, hundred, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, I would say so, man. But, but my answer would also be something like similar. It would be in the past, right? But then I have to take into account that I would be older now. So you know, I kind of like turning eighteen when I did. But for the for the hypothetical, yeah, that's, that's, the yeah, question. That, that's so true. Yeah, that's so true. I'm, I'm, yeah, I you're right. You're right, man. Yeah, it's yeah. it's hypothetical. But um, you don't have to come to the modern day and accept the consequences. <laughs> oh, I can just go back to whatever. So I think, yeah. like, if I was in America, I think. I would have like just followed like the Grateful Dead on tour or something like that, just to be part of like that kind of DIY. Thing. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, just like because America is such a huge, and I like you know I have no, you know, I'm not really interested in being American or living in America. But like you said, <laughs> the world is like a small place, man. Back then, and America is a, like it's a big place geographically, but it's a small place technologically and you know information wise. And I just think. 
I don't know. There's just something about like just maybe like giving everything up at the time and just like following a band on tour for like four years that seems like maybe when I was 18, that would like really, really speak to me. So, and I'd also be around for like Hendrix and all that kind of stuff as well, man, like a bit later on. But um, yeah, man, probably that like psychedelic invasion, like in the seventies, man, I would, I would think, yeah, yeah. yeah which, okay. which is weird because that's not like what I'm like now. Like I, I, you know, I'm not, you know, like you guys know me, I'm not going to like go drop acid and like go acid. to like a psychedelic festival. <laughs> I think yeah. if I could be 18 at that time and experience that when I was younger, then yeah, that's always something I, I have wondered about. So yeah. that would have been cool. That would have been a very different. Uh, yeah, yeah, because like you say, America at that time, it's like I don't know. I think some people in that country didn't even know how big that place was. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, there's a West yeah, Coast. I think, what? I think I think that would have been a really eye-opening, yeah, know, revolutionary time. Just in someone's head, let alone you know the a, a national scale. I don't know. Yeah. What would you say, James? Man, where would you? Okay, so I, I may have obviously been my question. I've thought about this before. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep my same birthday. So my, I'm like New Year's Eve. So my idea would be that I would turn 18 on New Year's Eve, 1967. Right. So oh, 67. Really? Okay. Come on. Come on. So in the year that follows, there is. Uh, so I'm going to be. I'm going to be old enough to see. Like obviously, there's some sporting things that get sort of dragged into the mix here. But like, um, I would have been 16 for the work for England winning the World Cup. I would have been 18 when United won the European Cup. Uh, there is okay. So the reason why this all comes about, and this this, this whole argument is, um, when I went to the um, uh, the Home of Metal exhibit at the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery, there is this little bill poster. Um, it's not big. It's not flashy. There's no pictures on it. It's literally just lettering and. I think it can't, the, apparently there was some geezer that I was talking to. It didn't happen very often, to say the least. But you could go and see, uh, there was Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath on the same bill for a venue in Birmingham. Now, in like Erdington or something as well. Oh, yeah, man. It probably, it was probably something like, you know, you could have gone and seen those kind of bands yeah, at yeah. that era. And like, to see the kind of artists that would have come out. I mean, I always, I would always love to know. Um, there's this like famous Billy Connolly sketch where he talks about him loving Elvis and Elvis's music, and he was like, he said, "You guys don't get it. Like the people that weren't like of my age when Elvis came out, it was like the shit that was in the fucking charts at the yeah. time." And then all of a sudden, Elvis comes out and he's like, what the fuck was that? What yeah. the hell? And I would love to know what um, the like Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin One or whatever, what they felt like when they first came out. Like you've spent the decade listening to, you know, like Manfred, like all the, all the, I don't want to say shitty. because Yeah, like the Beach Boys or something, like, but they're, it's like, so they're, different. They're, they're, they're not shit, but it's different. Yeah. yeah. So like there was this massive diversity between being a singles band and an album band and you were seen as like the lower end of the scale if you were a singles band in that era and yeah. you were just putting out like farming out not like we say all the time you're just farming out generic shit just to sell right but then if you've sat there and you've compiled an album and you've thought about it and all that sort of stuff you're obviously a much higher level of musician this is how the argument went but i would love to know what that sounded like to your to the ears of somebody that was growing up as and when that happened, yeah, like I think I think to be in that relevant moment when it was actually when it was actually new 
is a very is it's so different, man, to like because it's like that then is 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 it's obviously a fresh idea and even when you hear it as an older person, it still makes an impact. But to be at the time where it was like culturally and socially relevant as well is like it's even more than that. It's even more and this is uh, yeah, it's one of those where I kind of you kind of wonder whether I mean it ties into the point that we've been making about how it forms part of your experience and your upbringing and all that sort of stuff and then you get memories attached to it and you know i mean i'll still remember it's a blackstone cherry song for some reason um but i'll never forget getting in the car um because when jack was born we got him up to the to the ward and as the father you get kicked out like unceremoniously kicked out as well it's not even a nicely done thing they're like right get the fuck out now um and i will not forget getting in the car at midnight whatever time it whatever time it was, uh, turning it on. And the song that was playing was In My Blood by Blackstone Cherry. And that was the first song that I heard after Jack had been born. Never forget it. Like, he's nine. He was nine the other way. Never forget it. So, like, that song will always be about Jack. Like, he hasn't got a clue. I, I mean, he's heard it because I played it to him. But he, he couldn't tell me who the band was or, you know, he wouldn't recognise the song if I put it on and went, do you know what this is? He'd be like, what? No. Um, but that song is always going to be about Jack, even though it's not. It's actually about how um, it's really weird because the song is about how the guy has to get this sort of, he's got this split relationship between him being off on tour with the band and then coming home. And it's about how he's like, it's better off for the people at home that he does get to go away because the kind of underwritten tone of it is that if he didn't go, he would be miserable and he wouldn't be the person that they actually know him to be. It's quite a good song. Do quite like Blackstone Cherry, so check that out. But um, that's, a cool, that's a cool concept lyrically. That's cool. Yeah. But it was kind of like there's there's a lyric which almost if you if you deliberately ignore what I've just said, which I have to do when I listen to it, but it was almost there's a lyric almost about how you kind of you make up for being away when you get back. And obviously with the work that, you know, working in the retail, uh, working in hospitality industry, um, I did get to spend a lot of time with them in the day, but obviously I knew there were going to be evenings and stuff when I was out at work when I would rather not have been. So it was always kind of spoke to that that kind of ethos and I knew that was going to be a, a, a situation kind of thing. Yeah, man, that, that's, so, that's, so, that's so true that it has that relatability like that, the actual, like, the unsociable side of it, like... Well, that's the thing. But I never intended to go into that much depth into what that song means and why it means that. But I think that's an example of where you get that kind of emotive connection. Um, yeah, it's prime example, man. Prime. But it's uh, does that make the music any better? Like, I don't, I don't think of the song any better for that memory because it's 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 kind of like a delivery system do you know what i mean like if i'm if i if i love smoking it's the nicotine i love it's not the cigarettes per se so it's not the yeah, like, i love it's the memory you can't have that one without the other though man yeah, like, exactly. yeah. <laughs> like, have to light a cigarette to get nicotine as well you I mean, i've listened to that song way more than i ever would have done had it not been for that being the first song yeah yeah do, do you know what though it is it is it is true when you actually click with something man i remember hearing the first counting crows record at the age of like 21 and i was like this is fucking amazing and like and i don't and it was nothing to do with like a time and a place but it was like just just me like clicking with an album which takes a lot man and it was like you remember that moment where you felt like a connection through nothing physical or not nothing not a person an object it was just something hitting your eardrums and your brain processing it and i think your brain really hits like it highlights that page in your life man just subconsciously and you don't it's like you don't know why because if you'd have heard that song james like 
I don't know, just in, on the radio, like two years prior, you'd be like, oh, that was all right. I don't you know what I mean. Really? Well, that was it because it was. I had heard that. I was aware of it and I knew of it because I'm, I'm not going to disparage them because I do miss Kerrang mightily. Um, but they, yeah, rest they in weren't. Peace, rest in peace, a fucking Berms radio station that just disappeared. Exactly, man. But yeah. they weren't the best at rotating, let's say, um, their players. So no. if you if you'd heard it, you'd heard it about eight times that day. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they fucking rinse that so hard. Man. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it on the head a bit now. So we've we've talked about kind of the positive um, reinforcement, I suppose. Um, but has anybody else had this experience where? So I was like ten or eleven in like '95 when sort of. Oasis and Blur and Britpop and all that sort of stuff. I went to see, so I loved that era. Like I, I was, I was, I was Oasis. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, yeah, I remember fuck, having a row in a fuck Blur, fuck Blur, that yeah. shit. But I remember having a row with the guy in the pub, right? And he was one of these, and I, I, I do apologise. He was one of these quintessential bellends with a guitar, right? Yeah, um, okay. Nobody brings a guitar to the pub without malicious intent. I'm sorry, you just don't. Unless you're actually, he had it with him. He had it with him. Yeah, he had time. it fucking with him. Oh. You don't not, not do that in the English booze, Randy. You're not rock up. With yeah. Guitar, <laughs> like. Anybody who's not from England, you don't fucking do that. By the way, um, did he at least play Wonderwall? Well, him? this was the thing. So we had this argument about um, Oasis and Blur, and he was like, Blur were much better. The songs were much better, and this, that, and the other, and blah blah blah. So of course, being one of the quintessential oh my God, with the the guitar, glassed right he, there and then. Well, he was like, right, let's have a sing-song then. So we tried three Blur songs, and we did about a line each. There was about a group of ten of us. We managed about a line each of the song. Yep, yeah, I'm going to qualify singing. We didn't manage a line each and then thought, right, let's have a sing Not that kind of experience. Um, yeah. But then we did Oasis, and admittedly, so first of all, this is a self-confessed guy who does not like Oasis, and he knew how to play eight of their songs. I'm not going to say competently, yeah. but he knew how to play them. Yeah. And we managed to sing pretty much flawlessly, start to finish, all three that we attempted. So that kind of shot his theory in both feet. But what I was going to say, so that was a major thing for me when I was a kid. Um, but I went to see, kind of through an accidental thing, but I went to see Oasis on their last ever tour together. And it was shit. It was pretty fucking terrible. Um, you could tell they were on the outs. Um Noel had basically, obviously, as the band had progressed, Noel had basically written and sang more and more songs. Like, he wrote all the songs anyway, but he started to sing more and more of them to piss Liam off and get Liam in a smaller and smaller role in the band. So, obviously, during a live performance, um, Liam is not involved in a lot of the songs. So, not only did they open with a band from Manchester who were, they looked about 12, and after not getting a uproarious reaction to their first song, they decided to shout out, come on then, you bunch of brummy cunts, which was just <laughs> fabulous. So I was like, if we didn't like you then, we definitely don't fucking like you now. Uh, yeah. during, the, um, during the songs where Liam wasn't involved, he didn't like stand there and play his tambourine, which he was holding or whatever, or look like he was in any way, shape or form involved. He literally sat on the edge of the stage and tried to balance... The, it's like one of these it wasn't like a full circle tambourine it was just balance, trying to balance this tambourine oh yeah like a long shaker thing no, yeah. it's, like, it's like a half tambourine like it's like they've cut half of it off and there's like a handle instead oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah 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 as you could bang it against the side yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he's literally sat on the on the edge of the stage um, trying to balance this thing on his head 
he manages it for a bit. <laughs> And he's like having a bit of banter. Now, obviously, this is pretty much in Noel's eye line. So he's doing this deliberately to wind him the fuck up, which is yeah. very much an oasis thing. But I'm just watching it and I'm like, you know, when they say, I mean, I didn't meet them by any stretch, but when they say don't meet your heroes, I was just watching it going, well, this is not what I expect. This is not what this is not what I was listening to. Yeah, no, this, this is not definitely maybe. And what's the story morning glory? This is not what it is. You know what I mean? Like so, in that respect, the memory betrayed it almost. Like the memory gave it this this pedestal or this line to meet or this this standard it had to get to, and it fucking failed. Like it yeah. absolutely crashed and burned, failed. But like there must be situations where, like we were saying, like the memory connotation or whatever it is improves your relationship to the music. But then, like that example, it must work the other way as well at times. Yeah, I would think I don't so much have like a, a story like where there's been a live experience that's like pissed me off or something like that. But I think just like a natural progression over time. So not necessarily tied to a negative memory, but it kind of becomes one because um, like I'll go back and I'll kind of like maybe uh, I don't know how this works, but you guys will have experienced this when in the depths of your memory, the very recesses, you remember something you listened to like 15 years ago and you're like, how did I ever forget this? And then you put it on. And then it just doesn't do anything for you. Like you, you're kind of built it up. You're like looking forward to like your tastes have moved on, have evolved, whatever. Like you know, um, you're like in the same like state of mind you were when you were listening to that music. And uh, yeah, man, definitely. Like uh, there's some stuff that I've like loved in the past where I'm just like it does nothing for me now, which is like really sad. Yeah, it just kind of tar- it, I was better off not remembering. Do you know what I mean? I was better off not revisiting it because yeah, man, but like, but it's like in a way, yeah. it's like from listening to that, you couldn't have gone from the next step which was made more of a lasting impression. It's like a building block yeah. kind of mentality, maybe. Of course, man. Yeah, it's all linked, but it's just, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's it comes from that negative aspect, suppose, isn't it? Like, you need to have the yeah. shitty relationships to teach you how to enjoy the good ones. Or yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. But, you need to, like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'll take off my uncle. Uh, but it's like, it's not even though, like, this music was, like, you know, like, really made me upset or, like, like oh, this is shit. Like, why did I listen to this? It's just, like, it doesn't give you that same, it, like, the feeling you were expecting, right? So it's not, like, bad or, like, you know. That, like, nostalgic, like, element isn't achieved in it because whereas, like, yeah. you're expecting it to be completely like something right. else, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And I suppose that's maybe similar to what James said in a way. but um, well, I'm glad you said that, yeah. though, because I was thinking as I was giving that example, I was like, well, hang on, am I just saying this because it's a, it's a shitty live show? Is that what it is? And does Potentially, it man, yeah. yeah. But, but so, it is a man. shitty live show, and you're like, what the fuck, man? I've been listening to Oasis for like a decade, and now I actually get to see him play at the NEC, and I'm like fucking dead excited, last ever tour, and they're just acting like fucking dickheads on Carlsberg, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was. I think it's one of them where it's quite easy. I mean, even bands that aren't in the particular headspace that Oasis might have been, I mean, they literally broke up within a month of that happening, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think even, even, even bands that are in a relatively happy space have a shit gig every now and then. And like everybody, you, if you look at these, like they have them as threads on Reddit all the time. They're like, what bands did you go and see that were horribly disappointing live? And for every person that berates a band, there are very, very few examples where the next person to comment doesn't say exactly the opposite. And they're like, oh man, I saw them in like, I saw them up in Jersey and they were absolutely immense. Like they, they, they blew everybody else out of the water. I mean, it's like the example when we, uh, it, I suppose this is just more of a circumstantial thing, but like when we were at Download and Corn were on earlier yeah. um, in the day compared to Slipknot and Corn were pretty well, 
not terrible, but they were very prosaic. They were going going through the motions, that kind of thing. And Slipknot just tore the arse out of it and, you know, nearly killed people. Like, how many times did we break the barrier? Like, five times or something? Um, but then when, when I went to see them live in December, it flipped on its head. Yeah, yeah, Corner yeah. Corn opened and they played for, like, 45 minutes set and it was... Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair to Slipknot at the time, they just... They basically replaced Joey um, and they got to... They got, they'd replaced the... Um, replaced Paul as well. So they've got and a new Chris drummer. Chris Fenn at the time, they had three new people. Yeah, three new members. That's it. I always forget replacing Chris as well. But that's the thing where, I mean, you can't replace an entire rhythm section and it just passes. And they actually did, time. though. That's the thing. And they did. And they did. And it was... I mean, I remember, like, going back to the Rival Sons example, I remember when we went to see them when Dave Best had taken over as the as the bassist and it was his first tour. And I think I... I even went home, I think, and, and tried to work out how many gigs he must have played with the band. Probably about three, ones. man. Like, it looked like a oh, statue yeah. up there. He yeah, it terrified. was literally four. It was four. But yeah, he didn't move, did he? No. Like, he had one line. He was like a rook in chess. He <laughs> yeah. A little bit closer to the stage and then he'd back all the way back up. But he never left that parallel. Yeah. He just no, stood man. on that like, line. He died. And he looked as nervous as I've ever seen him. You look yeah. at him now. I mean, sorry, Dave. I know, like, I know Dave listens to this, and, and I feel bad <laughs> slagging him off. You know, we're, we're bros. Um, but he's 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 like light and day now. Totally different. But it, I don't I don't know what the point was there. Oh, I guess we yeah, yeah. you've got like Jay jumping around at the front in that band anyway. We'll so get, yeah, don't get me wrong. Too. The gig was immense. Yeah, like, the gig was still immense because it's the Suns and they play live all the time. Yeah, um, and you just can't replicate that. Like you grind through. And you knock off all the superfluous little bits that are wrong when you play that much. That's true, man. Maybe he was like, I don't need to move to play good bass. So yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, <laughs> movement is superfluous. Yeah, Only my fingers. With Slipknot, though, it's different because like, I remember that year they did they did that European festival tour, and then like they had like a fill-in bass guy, I think, and then like Joey and Chris Fenn just quit the band, and then they were like, shit, we have no rhythm players, basically. <laughs> And then they did that new record, the Grey Chapter, I think it was called. Um, yeah, that's it. And then, yeah. like, because Birmingham was the first show on, like, it was, it was the first proper show. It was like yeah. January, like the ninth or something, on like this. No, I think it was December the. Oh, yeah, fuck, not, I don't know. Not eighteenth. It was something like that, like December the eleventh or twelfth, something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, not yeah. Because it, it was the first gig on like the whole world tour, man. Like, yeah. I remember standing there, it, and I was just like, "Yo, these guys are shitting themselves." Like they didn't even do it. They didn't <laughs> even do a warm-up show, like in Iowa. They literally recorded a record, which, like, you know, it's probably doable. That everybody can play, and like we can record, and it's all right. But then they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna go play to about ten thousand people a night for like six months, like everywhere." And they're like, "What the fuck? Like, what the fuck, man?" Are you? They, they were quite clearly. Like, well, my my mate at the time was. Um... I forget now which venue he was in charge of. I can't remember if it was um, in Liverpool or in Manchester still. Um, but basically, there was uh, there was a show by the um, by the New York Dolls. No, by the Murder. Which one's his band? The Murder Not Dolls. Joey Jordan. Murder Dolls. Yeah. The Murder Dolls. Yeah, yeah. So Joey's band. Yeah, the Murder Dolls was, was were performing in. I'm going to say Manchester. And my mate Jay was in, was in charge of the gig, and I was like, I was like, Jay, have you have you fucking heard rumours that he's got fired? Mm. I was like, because it's not the first time that there were rumours that Joey George... Yeah, I just said he quit, but he didn't. They kicked him out. Yeah, I think I think uh, the rumour goes that um, Corey had basically had a bit of a word and kicked him out. Yeah, um, yeah. 
But he that he was uh yeah, he was all kind of, you know, people have been asking him about it and he was like, No, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. And I think it was literally the day after the gig it came out officially that he'd you know been given the push kind of thing. We could uh I had another question for you guys. Um, which we we did we did kind of touch on it briefly, but we were talking about like wider access to music and like um you know it's easier now to consume music more than ever, sort of stuff. But but the question I was gonna ask you was um do you think it's better to be making music now as an artist or in the past? Because because there is this wider access to music and there's more ability to make music, but there's a lot more competition now. So like if you're looking at that lens of like the golden age of music production and music being made, do you think like it's better to be picked up now as an artist? Because like the cut, I mean, I don't know, man. I gotta say, I think it's a lot lower than it used to be, man. For people to invest money in you and take you into the studio yeah, and do this lengthy process of making an album in the seventies, that was like only top tier, like shit got made or stuff that was going to make money. I don't know, man. What like what do you, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that has some effect on how we how we think music's in a golden age? Or no, I would say no. It's weird, man, because like to be picked up. Okay, so it's better and worse. So to be picked up now, it's easier, and you can get your music. You can get your music out to fucking anybody for nothing, for no money, and that's like fucking amazing, isn't it? Because like production costs cost nothing. I brought Logic for like I think it was two hundred quid, and I've got it forever. Got it forever, and then we we could make a record tomorrow. Like we could buy one mic tomorrow, and make an album. But like back then, you couldn't, man. And it was like, I remember I remember seeing an interview with Chino from Deftones when they put out their record about two, three years ago, whenever it was, and they were like, he was like, oh, when we put out uh, a record, like when we put out like White Pony or something in like 2005, whenever it was, they were like, oh, we toured it for three months. We toured it for three months. And he's like, off this record, we toured it for nine months and pretty much played a show every day to make the same amount of money. And he's like, we had to basically do that much more playing shows to make up for the for that loss just because of how the music industry's changed. So I think, yeah, man, I'd say now's the golden era for anybody having a go, music being for everybody. But back then it's like back then it was, yeah, people and, and yet the standard has lowered. So I don't know, more sh- people are giving attention to worse stuff, stuff that doesn't re- that would doesn't really deserve it, but it somehow apparently does now. It's good in terms of consumerism and availability, but it isn't at the same time because it lowers the product. It's it's strange though because the barrier to entry is lower, but I think knowledge is actually getting better amongst people who make music. So like, yeah, because you've got to stand out now. Because any any fucker can do it. You've got to be you've got to be the best. Yeah, you're not just a singer anymore. You're like, I played two instruments. Like, I can sing and I can edit my own stuff. Like, I can record my own like drum loops and I can like do my own production. So like, I think like people's skills, like our overall skill in like making music, is like going up. But then it's weird because the barrier for entry to do yeah, that is exactly, lower. Exactly, but it's like in terms of mixing, I listen. I listen to a podcast called "The Sound of Change" that the singer from Senses failed us, and he was saying they part a record in two thousand and five that did very well, and the the label paid a hundred thousand US dollars to have it mixed and mastered, like just to have it because that because that's how it was, man. Whereas now you could, anyone can like I could mix it. Up. Yeah, yeah. would do it for Lord. a lot fucking cheaper. That's a lot of money, man. Fuck. But it's like it's like you wouldn't be mixing shit unless you were them, unless you were in that loop either, unless you were in that yeah. world of being signed. You know, I think it's only now that smaller labels and PR companies exist. Like back then in 2005, it didn't. It was like you were signed to one of the top 20 or you were you were mud. You know what I mean? But yeah, the, the smaller labels were basically imprints. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were yeah. conning the artists yeah. Yeah. into believing that they were on a hip new label that wasn't you know, it's like, what the fuck is the, um, is it in, uh, 
straight out of Compton where they're like, well, what, what, I, what label are you from? And he was like, oh, um, we rep the California Raisins. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be on that label. And it's like, well, don't worry, you won't be. But it's like, okay, so my example for this, for this entry level, entry into music. So there was a film in 1993 called Airheads. Yeah. And there is a band that comprises Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler, and Brendan Fraser. And the whole plot of the film is that they have a demo tape and they take a radio station hostage. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. Great film. (laughs) But they take a radio station hostage to get their mixtape played. Right? Whereas now, you all you need to do is pop it on your SoundCloud or whatever and hope that somebody puts you on a playlist or Drake listens to it and shares it or some some yeah, shit, whatever that, it is. But that is literally this is what uh, this is what the, the the modern issue seems to be driving towards is that I mean what we've just said though, it's kind of not picking holes in your arguments here, boys, but what I'm saying is is either the standards going up or the standards going down. If the musicians are getting smarter and it's harder and it's this, that, and the other, theoretically, the the, the standard must be getting better. The thing the worry for me is that I'm it's it seems to be going more and more and more towards the single based market because what is the point in putting out an album when it launches in one go and nobody's going to listen to 11 tracks they listen to the first track if it's any good they might listen to the rest chances are even if it's good they probably won't listen to the rest they're going to listen to that one track so when i was speaking when i speak to the, the more up and coming artists they don't want to make EPs and albums. They want to make singles because that makes sense to them for the amount of creative use that they're going to get out of it. A single is the way forward. And I think that's a poorer model for a consumer, not only because you're paying for each item individually, but also there's no theme of content. There's no, I'm not saying every album has to be a concept album, but I want to know what that artist is thinking more than just like a hook, a beat and a fucking like three verses and a chorus. Like, give me an album. Like, give me an insight into where you're at. Like, tell me your, tell me a story. Don't tell me a fucking joke or, like, throw me a limerick or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I want to I wanna listen to, like, Local Honey. I want to listen to a proper album. You know, I'm not saying I don't, I don't want to necessarily listen to Dark Side of the Moon, like, every time I want to listen to an album. Like, no, I'm not saying that at all. And, you know, there are places for singles, there's places for greatest hits albums and all that sort of shit. Not saying that either. But I think if everybody just releases singles, I think the whole scene is going to be poorer for it. Yeah, that pretty much wraps up the discussion for that golden age thing, man. Obviously, it's pretty long-winded. Like, obviously, it's a lot of different answers. But, like, yeah, that was some... We all agreed it was the 70s. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, roughly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all agreed to disagree. So... There's been some pretty good news this week. Um, there was the, you know, the the rover mission to Mars, or like one of the many that's like been sending back some uh, pretty sick footage of like um, what like actual video from like Mars and stuff, which really hasn't been seen before, um, which is quite cool, man. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, seen it, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it, right? and it, it cost a tenth as much as our uh, our UK track and trace system. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Wow, shit. that's depressing, man. Oh, anyway, there's always got to be every, every silver lining. <laughs> yeah, as a cloud, right, I know, man. Yeah. That's value for money. There, yeah. Imagine, yeah. imagine if we spent a tenth of that and we could go to Mars, put Birmingham in the space. Yeah. All, all hail our Tory overlords. There you go. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, so to mark the occasion, they obviously you know played a bit of music while the whole thing was landing, while it was like going, and uh, it was obviously you know a pretty good, pretty good track, "Life on Mars" by David Bowie. 
obviously, sadly, Mr. Bowie's no longer with us. So it was a pre-recorded performance. And obviously, if it was pre-recorded, you know, just 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 have David Bowie do it, you know, in one of the earlier concerts, you know. But no, they chose uh they chose Youngblood to um <laughs> to, to sing on the track and James is shaking his head he seems quite upset but I was going to open this with Youngblood has been to Mars but not in the way that you would have hoped and then that's worse that bombshell, that, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to preface this by I don't know who Youngblood is you I'm do you do he's that guy from Doncaster with the punchable face you know him not a clue genuinely though I'm going to look him up now <laughs> he's like he's, like doing, now doing, off he's doing like bits in like the modern like you know guitar music revival yeah yeah, he's 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 like he's one of the faces of it. He's stuff. like he's he's do, he's doing yeah. very well for himself. To be honest, I don't really like what he does at all. But I think he's what. He's, well, this is the thing, man. What he's what he's doing is cool, but it's not for me. Like I don't know, it, it, but like he he's <laughs> yeah. big man because he's embracing. He's doing a sound that's like it's like his sound is like you can connect to it and it's alternative all at the same time. And it's so it's like it gives these people the impression they're doing something different when they're not. And it's like, and he's, he's also embracing modern culture and society in it as well. Yeah, it's very, I don't know, like, I'm not saying he's bad. It's just like repackaged in a different way, which is fine, which I guess, you know, that happens to like every generation. The same shit gets like repackaged in a different way. But anyway, I will say, man, like, if you're going to have like a pre-recorded thing for like an iconic track like Bowie we all know how much Bowie went on about Mars man just have fucking David Bowie do it man like admittedly he did play with the band you know so the band gave their seal of approval I can't imagine Youngblood just singing life on Mars though bro it, I like the thing, man. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad singer or he's a bad artist or whatever, man, because he is like doing his own thing. But just like, also, though, just, I mean, just didn't like it, man. It wasn't very good. Personally. If it's Queen and the rest of the band have given their approval to replacing Freddie Mercury, that's the thing because they're a part of an actual recognizable band called Queen. Who the fuck cares that the band of Bowie have signed <laughs> off on this guy? Who the fuck are the band of Bowie? David fucking Bowie. Who the fuck are these people? And also, who the fuck is this guy? I've just I've just looked on Wikipedia, right? And the picture of him, he looks like an epic twat. Like, who is this person? Well, right, if you if you were literally doing a live recording of something, then fair enough. Okay, but why are you doing that? It's going to be played. Fuck, no. Yeah, well, oh, I could understand no. maybe if he was there at the NASA headquarters and you're like, you know, we can't have Bowie, but we can have this guy do it live. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was recorded like the month previously. See, what? Yeah, so, okay, so what you need there is you need Ron Swanson in the NASA offices to go, I'm sorry, this is utter bullshit. Why the fuck are you playing this? Let's get the CD from my car and I'll put <laughs> it in and we'll play that. And well, that, that was my thinking. Because you know, it's they... David fucking Bowie. What, who is this fucking... I mean, okay, yeah, right. He's gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dial back from the rage, but he's probably been invited to do this by some no mark twat at NASA, right? They've got. They do awesome things as an organization, so they must have some Michael Scott retard in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, who the fuck has decided that they're going to re-record? And, and do that oh. I, I just don't know why you would do it like, okay right so my theory always was if you're gonna do a cover of, of a of a song right that's iconic and whatever else then you have to be better than the person that originally recorded it because they've got all the advantages over you they did it first they wrote the fucking thing right so if you can't do a better job then what the fuck are you doing that's why you always cover a bob dylan song 
because he can't sing. Right? He sounds <laughs> terrible. So you sing a Bob Dylan song and it comes out amazing because it's a brilliant lyrics, great song, and it sounds better because you've put your voice on it, right? Yeah, I'm gonna say, man, like it was it was live as well, but obviously there'll be some like post-production touched oh, up. But like oh. even then the the like he didn't hit the notes like Bowie, obviously. But, also, but why you would you do it that way. Why would you record yeah. as live as well? Like if you're yeah. going to do it. Well, uh, mate, if you're going to do it in the modern style, just auto-tune the shit out of it, parcel it up, and just fucking send it. Why, <laughs> why are we doing this? It's so wrong, man. Yeah, I think maybe like a nice montage of like pictures from Mars and then like just the music playing underneath, because as it stands, they just basically cut to this footage of like, you know, Young Blood and the three guys, like in like a blackened kind of room, like as they're being recorded as the performance was going. I mean, I want to know why a white English guy is coming out calling himself Young Blood for a fucking star. But let's let's not even get it. I mean, isn't he from the north? He's from Doncaster. He's from uh, yes, Doncaster. Doncaster. <laughs> you know what? Get the shit kicked out of him in his first gig. I probably. Mate, <laughs> lads, what's the matter with you? How's he made it this far, man? How's he made it this far, let alone... Right, yeah. I've never heard a song or a record or a, or a, a, a second of music produced by this dick, and I'm not about to start. Like, <laughs> what the fuck has happened? Why do you need to... He's 23 years of age. Is he? Is he really He's not? a young blood, you could say. Young, Is he really 23? Blood. What the... Fuck, man. Yeah. You can't see the picture. If you go, right, go Google Young Blood. It's obviously spelt wrong because, yay, fucking who does proper grammar and syntax anymore? Right. But look at the first picture that is of him on his Wikipedia account and tell me you don't want to make him bite the curb. He's not wearing a leather jacket very well. Uh, he's got a massive W as a belt buckle. Don't know what that means. Don't, don't even care. I just don't understand. Yeah. Is he kind of like a Bowie icon? Is he that kind of, you know, androgynous punk kind of Bowie figure? Perhaps is that why they, you know, not yeah, to, not to enrage you further. If you're honestly <laughs> comparing him to Bowie, we are going to throw down. That, that aesthetic, violent, that, that vibe. You, you know what I mean? There is going to be. <laughs> but did you... Do you know what I mean, though? That kind of androgynous punk aesthetic that well, Bowie kind I'll, of... I'll just say this. I'm going to speak for him now. Iggy Pop would not fuck that guy. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say. But this is an absolute travesty. It's a fucking disgrace. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit wary when you said there's going to be something for Jim to be angry at <laughs> for the podcast, which yeah. seems to be my role, and I will happily take it. But this is a fucking abomination. Whose idea was this? That one song spawned an entire, like... Even if you look at it in the, it spawned a TV series for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. Like, and by the way, check that out because that's fucking awesome. But and whatever you do, don't listen to this cretin's shit. Whoever the fuck this. Kid. I think Bowie would have wanted him. Like if if it was like posthumously, obviously as it is, he'd be like, make sure it's my voice when the Mars rover yeah, lands on fucking fuck Mars. Yeah, of like, yeah. So one of the greatest songs that's ever been written by you, incidentally, we're actually going to get some no mark skid mark twats. So fucking record it instead. Like, I don't give a shit that the band... I didn't even know that Bowie had a band. Like, I knew that there were people that were on stage with him that played fucking musical Yeah, instrument. I think it was like a bit of a revolving door, wasn't it? Yeah, but, but what the fuck kind of authority do those idiots have? I mean, if that's what it is, if that was the, if that was the final sign-off, <laughs> we'll just check if... The, they don't even have their own entity. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like if it was the Whalers, then it would be like, okay, yeah. well, you've got a sign who sings with you. Well, it's like these fucking morons have done nothing 
to warrant the authority to be able to say we will sing with this yeah. young prick. Well, I wondered if it would add credibility or if it wouldn't. Well, that's what it is. They've written that off yeah. and like, right, we're going to blame these fucking old dudes. For yeah. The- but in my head, it kind of did add a bit of credibility, but the more you're well, speaking it to it now, yeah, like it, it does, who are they actually? <laughs> who the fuck are these people? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, like I was kind of saying earlier, like you don't, in the musical sphere or in any life cycle, whatever, you don't want to admit ignorance. So my yeah. my initial response would be like, would have been, oh yeah, well of course, of course, Bobby's got a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that was my, res- you know, me as a big faker. That was my it's reaction. Steve Smithson on bass from 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 Essex. He's from like Braintree or something. Yeah. No, I don't know who the fuck these people are. And what yeah. kind of authority have they got? To- no. Yeah. It's a fair point. Angrily made. I'm going to. Um, do nothing about this but rage on a podcast um <laughs> no that's why would you why do they have to do these things man the thing is though he's doing so well because he's so modern man he's so like this day and age in a record i think this is actually what like young people want to hear with him yeah he has captured a certain like rebellious kind of youth spirit that seems to be his whole deal man and people are calling him punk but i don't know man it's like a different kind of punk it's like it's not modern punk in the sense that it's like anti stuff, but it isn't, bro. It's not punk, but it's like it's like activism as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Into activism and stuff. But like at, from a to play a little curveball here, it's like he might give people, he might actually make people who are like 13, 14, they might actually listen to David Bowie and be like, "Yo, this oh, is good." Don't, 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 don't convince me now. <laughs> no man they fucking might though they might they actually might no you're right you're right and this is exactly what i said earlier about we need to convince people to listen to to like you know better music he might be like their that. gateway little pill he might be their first little spliff in the park to their fucking, what, like, to their fucking... Like, before they get addicted to heroin that's where the analogy breaks down but <laughs> and then they might well, if Bowie has to be anything you might as well yeah. be making fucking well, I don't know like that's that. maybe the only positive I can see this but it is like murdering a song like completely but um yeah. yeah well I'll let you watch it and judge for yourselves I personally think he did like an not a great job but like he did it in like his like kind of screamy kind of shouty young blood style yeah because that's not even like that's not even hitting a note man that's like yeah that's like the yeah. used worship kind of like oh, i can't really sing so i'm gonna shout yeah but it's like, but it's like emotion isn't it it's like, oh, like, like i'm not like. playing angry music it's provocative. yeah like i don't know man it's, it's this weird approach that like it's the only thing he can do and he kind of masks it in a certain way and the fact that he wants to wear this like costume that's like david bowie it's like you're just like a corpse in a suit man you're not fucking doing too much bro you're just like walking around like and stamping on this grave even harder, which you really don't have the right to do. Yeah, every cloud, man. Every cloud. I, I will find the cloud in every silver line. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all uh, I had for this week, I suppose. So, yeah, we could say our, say our goodbyes, man. What do you want to say, Rob, before we leave? Keep listening to the music, man. Talking to people who you like. Do what you want to do. If you don't like somebody, tell them. If you do, tell them. Simple as that, mate. Just wake up every day, have your cereal, have your toast, and approach the world with that attitude. The instinct you have towards breakfast, approach, apply that to people. What if you want to skip breakfast? Well, don't talk to anyone. <laughs> Excellent, man. There, I like that. there is an answer. There, there is an answer, yeah, man. Yeah. What about you, Jim? Um, well, I'm I'm gutted now. That's 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 a proper sad end to end thing. Oh. Um, no, just as, as much as as much as we've said, 
um, and this is an important message to take away that whatever whatever it is that you enjoy, um, don't let don't let other people's judgments colour that. Like, don't let anybody steal your joy for some perceived standard or or notion or whatever it is that they are going to bring to the table. Do whatever makes you happy, unless it's listening to Young Blood, in which case, listen to David. Yeah, Barry's. and breakfast is the most important meal of the day, everybody. So fucking get involved with other people. And if you don't like hash browns, I will never fully trust you as a human being. Yes. They are the best part. But yeah, seriously, um, whatever it is that gets you through until we finally get this ridiculous situation gone and nobody remembers 2020 anymore. Nobody even knows what coronavirus is anymore. Nobody fucking cares. Zoom becomes a thing of the past. It's become fossilised because we don't fucking need it anymore because we can actually go outside and and speak to people again. Um, Whatever it takes to get you from that point. And who cares if you three stone lighter when you come out of lockdown fair play to you if you're three stone heavier fair play to you who the fuck cares you survived like just just get through it whatever it is if you want to listen to young bloods and aim dubs and whatever else um and watch awful tv and listen to horrible music fair play <laughs> to you man just get to the end all right that's perfect thank you so much guys just thanks everyone for listening and yeah we'll see you next time man for more inane ranting so cheers respect